Hello and welcome back to 100% Real with Ruby. Today we have Matt Bolton who actually not only coaches clients in person but he owns a kitchen so he sees people coming in all the time inquiring about certain products talking about their diets and when they do diet recalls there's a typical oh I eat really clean but I'm not seeing results and as a lot of you may know from seeing my posts I'm very big on eating as much food as you can and when you actually try to diet eating more food and by more food it's actually more of a particular type of food and we are going to go into more detail about that because these people say they don't eat that much they pick all the healthy foods but little do they actually know the nutritional content of the foods that they choose so we're gonna clear up a lot of things that people struggle with that are just starting on the journey or that feel like they are doing everything right but still not seeing results especially if you are a smaller human a smaller female like myself so here's Matt you'll get a really good idea of what he does through our conversation as well because he he adds a lot of spark to this so let's take it away well thank you um so I think you know to begin with let's we the the biggest um struggle that we find that we see here the people that the biggest concern is that we they have this mismatch of what health food actually brings to the table. You know, they, like you said, they feel like they're eating healthy and we're choosing foods that should provide a lot of health. But if you have a goal of weight loss, you still need to know how much to eat. Now we can choose, we can have better options, but you still need to know how much we, how much you need. And in, in, in the, the truth is if you are smaller and you have very low activity levels outside of training, you don't need that much food. You know, we need enough to support the training and the goals and the recovery, but you don't need that much. And we can have enough food with good quality choices and uh, the right approach to that. And that's why we, we deal mostly with uh, uh, flexible dieting. We, we really do like that approach. You know, it, it builds a lot of uh, consistency and a lot of um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn, I just lost one word. Uh, it helps people reach their goal really well, re really, really quickly. You know, they get to understand the food really, um, really well in a very logical sense. Like we don't like to put labels on foods as I know you do as well. You know, you don't like to label good food, bad food. Food is food. Food is information. And the more that we can teach clients that regardless of the food choice, it has uh, an approach to whatever goal you're going to choose. If you want a performance goal, then you need to have, you can have a little bit extra of these types of foods. If you want a weight loss goal, then you need to have this little, you know, you need to choose more foods from this, this, uh, this option. And um, it tends to be that a lot of people just don't know the quality of the, the, the quantity that they're getting, even though they think that they're eating quality. 
Now here in Bali, it's very easily done, you know. Um, people are relatively healthy, um, but the, <laughs> the, the, the lifestyle here doesn't really equate to much activity because there's not much walking done. People don't do a lot of walking or a lot of activity. There are a lot of uh, digital nomads, so they spend a lot of time on the computer or they, and they just have a scooter. So they scoot back and forward to the gym and that, or they go down to the beach. And when they're on the beach, they don't do a lot. They sunbathe or they drink coconuts or they drink margaritas, sangria and all that kind of stuff, you know? I just, so, I just want to interject with something you said. Right. There was a very important thing you said. They don't walk a lot, but no, you, did mess, you did tell me that before we started this whole conversation, we were talking about how people smash themselves in the gym. They do mm. bit, they do like big workouts, sweating themselves off because thinking that that's the best way to get results. And then they go and head off to the health food place, yeah. but yeah. they spend the rest of the day pretty much sedentary. Now there is a, there, you actually do not burn that much energy in a workout compared to what you do in a whole day. That's like one to two hours max. What you do the rest of the day counts the most. Now, what are these people doing after their workouts? And maybe you can touch a little bit more on the fact that actually trying to train to burn calories does jack shit if you're mm. sedentary most of the day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, with the a lot of the times as well, they are, you know, they're going to the gym. Um, you know, they, they believe that going to the gym for 90 to two hours, 90 minutes to two hours, five days a week is, is doing them uh, a service, which, you know, if you are training right with the right intensity, you don't need two hours, you know? Um, now, maybe if you're doing, if you're compensating for the lack of activity outside and you're doing, you know, that that's also incorporating some, um, some, some, some of your neat, let's say it, they're, you know, they're, they're doing their training and then they're just covering their bases with a little bit of low level intensity. Um, I can get that, but they are, they're, they're predominantly doing uh, low intensity resistance training, uh, not really pushing themselves hard, but for longer duration, lots of cardio. And then, you know, they go to these uh, restaurants that um, I call them kind of fake health restaurants. You know, they, they promote these protein pancakes where they don't even put like protein in them. Um, but they are like thousand calorie serving uh, pancakes, you know, um, and then you add the toppings as well. So then it becomes then you add your lattes and your coconut waters and all of that stuff on top of that, which, you know, it's, it's as you said, you know, training doesn't burn that much. And the more you do the same amount of training or the same training, the less your body's going to burn of that. So if you've been doing one thing for six months and you've not seen change then maybe it's time to change something you know and maybe actually look into what you're consuming and what you're doing the rest of the day because yeah. at the same time people think they train hard but they really don't and it might not be it might not even be the program that's the issue it might be the fact that you're not putting enough intensity in so hey i don't feel smashed by the end of this i'm going to chuck in some extra stuff so then i can reward myself at the shop but yeah. hey you just said a thousand calorie servings and you're mentioning coconut water. You're mentioning protein pancakes. You even mentioned a smoothie bowl to me before, which we're going to talk about what these smoothie bowls consist of because yeah. people do, people think that, Hey, it's got some bananas in it. It's got this in it. 
oh, mm-hmm. it's so healthy. I'm eating healthy. Imagine, like, actually close your eyes and imagine the size of a plate of just pancakes. Add on a smoothie. Really easy to drink, probably swishes down the side, doesn't touch the sides. And then add on all the toppings. Hardly eating, yep. but you're eating a lot. So yep. what exactly do these healthy foods consist of? And how can we avoid making these nutritional mistakes? Like, what do we need to be aware of? So, I mean, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the restaurants will, uh, you know, if you, can, if you ask for the ingredients, they'll give you the stuff. Um, but, you know, outside of us, you know, we really, we, we give all of our ingredients and we give all of the macros, calories and everything. And we only, we've designed the menu in a way that people can see and choose stuff aligned with their goals. Um, we have uh, smoothies that are low in calories, low in sugar, low in carbs. We have ones that are high in calories and uh, high in carbs. And, and all of them have a, um, uh, a standardized protein serving. Um, and, you know, we go to these other health, health uh, restaurants and they're promoting this protein shake. And they say, oh, 40, 40 grams of protein in this shake. Okay, great. And they post-workout, good. And you have these, you know, 49, 52 kilo females wanting to lose weight. They're going to get this 40 gram of protein, this shake after training. But then when you look into the ingredients and you find out that it's got a cup of oats, two bananas, almond milk, and everything, and, you know, probably uh, um, some peanut butter as well. Yes, you're getting 40 grams of protein, but you're also getting close to 100 grams of carbohydrates. Uh, in this, uh, you know, not that carbs are bad, but if they're not aligning that with everything else that they're doing throughout the day, it's throwing them off, you know, from their, from their total daily stuff. So again, they're thinking that they're being healthy, which is a good thing, you know, just, just trying to be aligned with health, but not understanding what else is, what is coming into these smoothie bowls, these shakes, or these, these health foods can be a real problem. Especially with their, their, if you're saying, um, you know, we hear this a lot, you know, I'm trying to be sugar free, I don't eat anything processed. Okay, so let's have a look at your smoothie bowl. How come it's got three bananas in it? You know, and you know, we know that banana has sugar and it has carbs. So if you're trying to be sugar free, but you're eating three bananas in a smoothie bowl, try eating three bananas on their own, you probably won't be able to do it. And you'll be saving yourself from some calories for later on. And you'll be able to enjoy a whole bunch of other foods as well, rather than just having that uh, smoothie bowl. I guess this is exactly what I'm going on about all the time in my posts when, well, even you in the things that you say as well, it's we want to be able to eat more food for less. And if you actually have a smoothie with all of these different ingredients and you're struggling to lose weight, why don't you take out those ingredients and spread them throughout the day? when like when we are trying to lose weight we neglect that we we neglect the fact that simple things done well yield the best results and instead of just focusing on i want to lose this much weight or i want to weigh this much you need to focus on the habits and behaviors that get you there you need to actually be clear on those actions and we both touch on this in everything that we say especially because you work in a kitchen it's meal prep meal prep meal planning it is probably the most important thing that you can do 
Now we're going to actually go a little bit more into depth on this because I know, for example, I was very overwhelmed with the concept of meal prepping and I will actually talk a little bit more on this for myself and then I'll let you talk on it because I'm going to put up a meal prep post today and I'm going to mention our podcast in it. But when it comes to meal prep, all you can think of is the work that needs to be done, the time it's going to take and how much labor is put into that day of meal prepping. But what you do not consider is if you add up all the time you spend in the kitchen throughout the week, that shit adds up. But what you're also not accounting for throughout that week, because you don't remember it in the spur of the moment, because the emotion of being overwhelmed by meal prep takes away all the rest. But Mm. within that week, you're having decision fatigue, trying to figure out what the hell you want to eat. You might get sick of a meal. You might feel stressed one day. You might feel tired one day and grab the chips, grab this. But if everything is meal prepped and it's there, it's going to be that much easier for you to stick to your goals. And a lot of people who lack meal prep and who don't have a coach will always struggle to get their best results because I can honestly say 95% of people who come to me and who come to Bolts do not eat enough protein because, yeah, okay, maybe the protein pancakes are called protein pancakes, but they have like 15 grams of protein in it. And yeah, that 40 gram shake may have 40 grams of protein, but what are you eating for the rest of the day? You can't just say, I'm getting 40 grams in a meal. Cool, protein dose, I'm going to get results. What are you doing the rest of the day? And it's usually, I put a questionnaire out and everyone says, it's the evening where they struggle. And in the evening, it's usually, I have no time, let's grab some crisp, let's get quick food, let's get carbs, let's get fats. And little do people actually grab protein. So yes, meal planning can be boring. It can be time consuming but if you do it right it is probably the most sustainable thing that you can do and to me I didn't believe that like yeah okay I will be I will be like I will be on your level I I hated it I didn't like it whatsoever but I had to change something Matt said it himself if you're not getting where you want to go and you're struggling men like emotionally with what's going on because I'm a nutritionist I was still eating properly but my habits weren't aligned with the person I wanted to be. I was nibbling. I was not having set meal times, which has always been what I wanted. I was never feeling satisfied after my meals. I was eating everything I should have and it was all tracked, but I just wasn't happy with the way I was going because to me, I wanted to have shit prepped. And then at the start of the year, I went cold turkey and I'm like, no, I'm just going to prep my meals. I didn't want to do it, but one tip that I have is get yourself excited about it. Make this excitement. I do it whenever I don't even feel like training. I talk myself into it. Your self-talk is powerful. And you don't have to buy fresh food. Get frozen veggies. Get frozen fruit. Get tinned fruit. Drain it. Get jarred veggies. Drain it. Make shit easy for you. If you don't want to chop things up, put in the extra money and get pre-chopped veggies. If you don't want to chop up your protein, get pre-chopped protein, but then you're going to have to actually scan the barcode and stuff. Like there are different ways to go around it to make it easier for you. Flavor your food. You're allowed to have low calorie dressings. You're allowed to have lemon and herbs and spices and salt. Yes, eat your damn salt. Like that shit has made it easier for me. And I don't spend time 
doing weird movements on the stove. I put shit in the microwave. I leave shit going in the microwave. Rice cooker, pressure cooker, air fryer, whatever you want. I just use an air fryer. I just use a microwave over and over. And I do one thing in the pan and that's just boil my pumpkin because I can have the pumpkin going while my chicken's going in the air fryer and the chicken's also going in the microwave because I just fill up the containers and it, it boils, it poaches. So maybe you can tell us, especially because this is your jam. Tell us more about how we can make meal prep easier for us and things to think about and why it is so important and then compare the results. I guess the results and the mindset and the behaviors and all that stuff to people who have a plan meal prep and what, how meal prep can mean different things to different people. So, I mean, you know, we have to look at the, uh, the individual and their lifestyle as well, you know, so when it comes to meal prep, a single male or a single female um, with a, you know, with a, a nine to five or an online job or something like that is going to have a little bit more freedom towards their meal prepping than say um, a full-time working mom with kids and stuff. But, you know, from with, with a couple of examples, you know, I, um, I have a, uh, a young lad that I'm working with that, you know, we deal with strictly kind of like one pan meals, not the best cook, but we get, we get chicken, we get some veggies, we get rice, and we put it in one pan with some stock. And he make like he's if you're gonna make one meal, you may as well make four or five. That's what I try to say. You know, if you're gonna do one, you may as well four or five portion it up. You know, I saw your stories uh, or your post yesterday about the meal prep as well, or the other day, and you know you had like all of the things that it, it looked very similar. And it, there's nothing wrong with eating the same thing. You can spice the same thing differently. So. It, Yes, it may be the same thing, but it may taste very different. You have paprika on one potatoes and you have uh, cayenne pepper on the other one. It's going to taste very, very different, you know. But so in that instance, for, for, for this guy, you know, we're using, some, we're using his skill level and his ability to buy some frozen foods, keep it for a long time, chuck in some frozen peas, chuck in some chicken, chuck in some stock, chuck in some rice. We've got five meals made for the week and he doesn't have to think about it, you know eggs in the morning, you know, we're making up, we're making up a big pot of eggs and we split those between the five. Very, very simple. Um, spice it very different, low calorie um, condiments on top of that. And we've got our meal prep really simple for that, but we're using this, the, his skill and his ability to, to, to do that, to make it more effective for him. On the other hand, I've got a, a, a mother who works as a nurse uh, shift work. Um, two kids and for her we implement cooking with the kids on a Saturday and Sunday so over the weekend she actually gets the kids into the kitchen with her and they learn about the foods as well so they're prepping and everything together and making menus and making stuff and make, being spending time together so it's not taking away time from the family so they're using that time to build uh, a better relationship with food at a young age um, and also building the relationship within the family. And they have all, she's now creating um, uh, a family environment that's built around healthy food, planning and prepping for herself and making sure that she is sticking to her goal, but also being able to give all the care and attention to her family. So she doesn't feel extra stress from taking away time from the kids. 
So, you know, we have to look at those individuals. And I mean, my top tips for meal planning really, you know, <clears throat> write out a shopping list, write out the top 10 foods that you enjoy um, and, you know, search menus use, or, or uh, meals using those foods. Uh, and, and choose maybe four or five of them to rotate on a, on a weekly basis, you know, and once a week or once a month, whatever fits into the schedule uh, of the lifestyle is to choose, choose a new one, choose something new, you know, uh, and, and keep your menus ever expanding. You know, I don't think it's, you know, you can eat the same foods, but it's also nice to try new things because, you know, as we know, if we, if we stay, too much with one thing that's where we're going to you know want to binge on something or we want to you know just oh a little bit of this a little bit of that and before we know it that little bit and this and little bit of that has become a lot of that and a lot of this so you know but it's also incorporating that stuff in you know you know you talk about this a lot where it's um and, and we talk about this with our clients um online and here in bali where it's like you can have these foods you know, you just mentioned it before. We can have these foods. We can have pretty much any food that we want, you know, as long as it aligns with the goal. You know, if it doesn't align with the goal um, and the goals will change, you don't have to be in a weight loss for, for 12 years. <laughs> you shouldn't be in weight loss for 12 years. If you want weight loss for 12 years, you're doing something wrong, right? But as the goal goes from weight loss to performance to strength, you know, it is... Um, it is ever changing. So yes, you may go through a, a little bit of a low carb, um, higher fat approach, then you may go to higher carbs. And you know, you can enjoy all those high carbs when you are looking for uh, different goals to, and those foods will suit your needs and your goals at that time. Perfect, perfect segue into what I wanna talk about next. But first I do wanna actually touch on that as well. And that's the thing, like, Getting the, you don't have to eat different from your family. Your family doesn't have to eat different from you. If your husband is being like being impossible, then okay, he can either make his own food. Like he, you're not like women yeah. don't need to do the cooking all the freaking time. And it's like we've given ourselves this title of I'm doing the traditional job of being a woman. Well, hey. You're probably also a mum. You probably also work full time. You don't need to be doing the cooking all of the time, but you can still cook for the kids, get the kids involved. Maybe if there's something you're cooking that the husband likes, you can cook some for him as well. But the family doesn't have to eat different. You can cook the same, same, but different. For example, if you're making yourself like a burrito bowl, for example, yours might be without a wrap. Your husband's might be with a wrap and the kids might be, with the wrap, which you put into the air fryer and made nacho chips out of them. Or you don't even have to bother with that. You just get them a, like a like little actual nacho chips and give them nacho chips. Like same, same, but different. Yeah. And yeah. you did mention making a shopping list with the foods that you enjoy. Now with my clients, some of them that are bothered are on macros. Most of them are on a meal plan. Now what I say is, Figure out how you want to create these meals. I don't give you like actual meals with cooking yeah. ingredients and recipes. I give you ingredients. Play yeah. with them. There's all these different lean proteins that you can play with. Maybe for 
two weeks you do just turkey. Maybe the next two weeks you're like, I feel like chicken. Maybe the next two weeks you feel like kangaroo or tuna or fish. But play with it. But also don't try to be a master chef because I feel like people that try to complicate things or change things too much end up back at square one where it's decision fatigue. And then they, it's like as soon as you do thing, things once, it's like you're giving yourself permission to keep doing it. If you give yourself permission once to change something crazily, then you're going to keep wanting to make changes and then overwhelm yourself and then end up back to having no meal plan, being scattered, being overwhelmed and wondering what the fuck to do with your food. So keep shit simple, keep shit repetitive and consistent and only change it when you need to. But change up the proteins, change up the veggies, change up the same type of things so it's same but different. With me, I keep it all the same except the flavorings I put with it. Sometimes it's lemon, sometimes it's lime. Sometimes it's maple stevia drops. Sometimes it's vanilla because I don't have a sweet tooth. I have savory, but adding stevia drops, just it just makes it perfect. Now that segue, the perfect segue. So we should not be in a fat loss phase for an extended period of time. We have to get in and get out because unless, of course, you're starting off with a lot of body fat, then you can stay in it longer and you can keep going, keep going, keep going until you don't see results. Then you can make it go more aggressive, keep going. But then at some point, you're going to have to pull out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but with all of that being said, you still have to periodize your nutrition. And with that, you actually touched on this in one of your posts, and I put it down there as well, is sometimes restrictions are needed in order to be successful in certain situations. Too much restriction can lead to negative behaviors. So you also need to be realistic with your goals. This is perfect. This, that was perfectly quoted by Bolts, by the way. Restriction doesn't always have to be negative. Sometimes you need to restrict carbs. Sometimes you need to bring your carbs back. Sometimes you need to bring your calories back. But if it's bringing it too far back that it's causing you to binge or causing you to have cravings, your goals are unrealistic. You need to make the fat loss goal or restriction less. But at periods of time, it is needed. At periods of time, you need to say no to certain foods. At periods of time, okay, you cannot have those foods. Yeah, maybe sometimes you can eat whatever the foods you want because it fits in easily. But other times you can't because it's more so, yeah, you can, but should you? And no, you shouldn't if it's going to leave you hungry, going to mean that you're going to be in a calorie deficit, but in a nutrient deficit as well, and not able to actually meet your protein. So maybe we can touch on that side of things about when, when do we do, like, when do we need the restriction and all the stuff around that with the avoidance of extremes, because sometimes we like to go too much into extremes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Right now, we, we, we love extremes. Uh, there seems to be extremes everywhere we go. But um, I think if, if we're talking about restriction, then, you know, we, there needs to be um, times where there is kind of controlled restrictions throughout, no matter where you want to be. Um, Let's say, we talk, we're, let's say we're not talking about food now. Let's say you want to improve your, just improve your lifestyle. You know, you have to probably have a look at and 
how often you're going out or maybe looking at the social circle that you uh, that you you hang around in you know you may have to restrict certain elements of your um, your known life to improve on your lifestyle and and have a better life you know so that's not just talking about the food but restrictions come in many different ways you know if you want to improve on your career then you may have to not go out every weekend you may have to spend more time studying and trying to improve on your career you know um, when it comes to foods like you said we have to think about where we want to be so where we're at where we want to be and that periodized approach to nutrition and training now maybe we don't need maybe we don't have a specific goal we just want to live healthy uh, we have a longevity aspect to our goal we just want to be able to um, move well eat well look good and play with the kids and have a long life it's it's a generalistic goal but it is doable right so we need to look at okay what foods cause me problems maybe i can't eat um, as much dairy as I want, because when I have dairy, it causes me problems like, you know, gastric problems or, you know, stomach issues and stuff like that, or I just get real phlegmy and it causes me problems. So, okay, you have to restrict the dairy, but this is for health. You know, some people will say, okay, you need dairy for, uh, to build muscle in a performance or a muscle gain program, you know, and that can be, that can work well, but you have to, you know, you have to be able to live with the consequences maybe. So restriction can come in many different forms, I think. And again, we just have to look at the individual. We have to look at where they're at, where they're going to go and how they're going to get there. Um, you know, and it doesn't always have to be uh, a negative. You know, people, people tend to think that you don't need restriction. Dieting restriction is bad. It will cause you problems. But um, not all the time, you know, we have to think um, in terms of, longevity within the dieting process or within the actual nutritional protocol or the lifestyle, the lifespan of this and the habits built on that. Um, I was actually having a discussion the other day uh, with one of my clients and she feels like she's, she only has one protein bar a day, but she doesn't want to rely on this protein bar. She feels like the protein bar is, is causing her to um, create this negative habit with having this protein bar. And we talked about, we said, what was the, what is the other option? And the other option is to, you know, we have two other options. The other option is making a smaller meal that is more substantial, you know, some veggies and some protein and stuff. Well, she said, I have the, the uh, protein bar because it stops me from going down to the cafeteria and picking up something from the cafeteria. And I said, well, what happens if you go to the cafeteria and pick something up? She said, well, the choices aren't great. And if I choose something from there, I'm more likely to get something else as well. So then that restriction is now positive because the other option is going to the cafeteria, having something that's not aligned with the goal, and then having something else. She's like, so beforehand, she was going to the cafeteria, taking a muffin, but also then getting a latte with it or something else. So now we've gone from a... 200 calorie protein bar to a 400 calorie muffin and a 400 calorie latte. And now we're not aligned with the goal. So that restriction of, um, of not going to the cafeteria, but addition of a protein bar is, is actually a positive thing. So talking through that with her now, she's, she's okay with either having a protein bar or making a, 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 a more substantial snack that stops her from going to the cafeteria and having these 
choosing these bad options or, or, or not so favorable options, should I say? Oh, yeah, that it's, it's everything in, like, it's your perception. It's the way that you see it. And people don't question themselves enough and they'll hold this belief, this idea in their head until others question them for them or they make themselves realize as in like someone else makes them realize, hey, what you're doing, it's not actually forming a negative habit. It's actually a positive habit because the alternative is taking you away from the person you want to become. And there are other alternatives. You just choose not to put the time into making that meal. You're choosing not to meal prep, but the options are there and the alternative is worse. So this is the better option. It's not the best option, but it's the better. And sometimes better is good enough. And another thing that you were saying is restriction isn't always bad. And I guess this is where it also comes into the terminology we use because it's, it's not really restriction, it's restraint. We're restraining ourselves. Like yeah. restriction has a negative connotation. Discipline has a negative connotation to some. But discipline isn't deprivation. It's knowing that you can have it, but you're disciplined not to. It's not restricting yourself. It's knowing that you can have it, but you're restraining from it. It's knowing your personality type. Like way back, like even now, actually, if I can't have a whole lot of a food option, I'm not going to buy it. So I'm restraining from it because I'm not satisfied with a kid's like a cereal box serving of cereal i want a freaking ruby serving and a ruby serving is a huge serving so <laughs> i'm not going to buy cereal or even try to include it into my diet unless i can have a massive serving whilst still being satisfied with all my other meals and i'm much more satisfied with the meals i have now because even a big bowl of cereal doesn't do my like doesn't satisfy me because i'm not really that much of a well, it's kind of like a sweet meal, but I'm not that much of a sweet person. So I'm actually back to just doing savory now. As much as I love my cereal, I love my savory more. So it's like we were touching on not going to either end of the extreme. So it's great that I love the fact that you mentioned the health person. So there are different people with different goals. If you have health as a goal, yeah, you can fit pretty much everything in because you're not trying to, get down to a lower body fat percentage. You're not trying to push your body so far out of homeostasis. You're just trying to improve upon what you have. And when it does come to a point where, okay, we need to restrain, restrict, whatever from something, your mind shouldn't just go to, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to have to cut all of this out. We need to stop going to all these different extremes and we need to realize we can exist on a spectrum. It just means cutting it down a little bit or going up a little bit. So realize that there is a spectrum. Now, when it comes to the importance of, I guess, stress now around food and you touch on meal timing, but in a different way where it's not the timing of our meals itself, but it's something that can help us, I guess, make our bodies respond to the digestive process better because how, well, I'll let Matt go into it, but how exactly do we talk about meal timing here with you? 
so for me, a lot of the times uh, when we talk about meal timing, we talk about how you are eating the food as opposed to when you are eating the food. Because, you know, we are, um, you know, we, we look at how you eat is more important than when you eat, you know, especially if, if we're looking for health and weight loss, most of the time, it doesn't matter when you eat, as long as your total daily energy is, is in line with the goal. So you're eating less calories than you're expending and stuff. Um, so less for that, you know, as long as you are, if you are not digesting your food properly, it really doesn't matter when you eat the food, you know, we have to make sure that we are digesting and assimilating properly because just eating the food doesn't mean anything's going to happen properly inside, you know? So we may think that we're eating 1500, 1600 calories, you know, whatever it may be, but actually we're only digesting and assimilating half that. So if we're trying to push ourselves to the limits and thinking that we're dieting and all of a sudden we, we, we're feeling really fatigued and really, drained and exhausted then we're actually need to take a step back and look at the meal timing in terms of how are we chewing the food are we sitting down and are we being relaxed are we rushing are we eating in a stress state or not and i think that's more important than when is is looking at how you are eating are we chewing the food properly to a nice squishy bolus you know so that it is digest, you know, because we know that digestion, we know that not everybody knows, right? That digestion starts in the mouth. If you chew your food properly and you get your mouth, you know, you chew it down to a, uh, uh, this squishy consistency that is easier to swallow, you know, instead of trying to swallow your food like a uh, boa constrictor, you know, just opening your mouth and just trying to slide it down, um, your stomach's going to have a lot of, a lot of uh, work to do with that. So if we can, chew our food more effectively um, and, and allow the stomach to just, just break down the remaining, uh, we're going to be able to digest and assimilate a lot more of those nutrients that we need um, to be able to, to, to reach whatever goal we have. Um, and also, you know, making sure that you are not rushed, you know, don't, don't rush the food, you know, just, just set, maybe you have to set aside some time you know, 10, 15 minutes, distraction-free. It's really important as well. You know, we have uh, a relation with what we are doing with when we are eating. So if we associate um, food and watching Netflix or watching a movie or watching Instagram, we can also negatively, negatively or positively impact what we are doing with that food as well. You know, if we are seeing and watching Instagram and wishing that we were somebody else, uh, as most people do on Instagram, they don't just flick through for good information. They sit there and be like, oh man, I wish I was doing this and I wish I was doing that. You know, you are now assigning food to this negative emotion and now you're not going to enjoy that food. You know, you may then go across and be like, oh, this, this, is, this, this meal, I don't like this meal anymore. But beforehand, you were enjoying it left, right and center. Uh, and if we are consuming food when we are watching TV or, or Netflix or something and we are, uh, we're having this positive uh, dopamine hit through our eyes as well as with the food, then we are always trying to reach this new level of high. And I think if we are distraction-free, 
and we are able to enjoy the food and the smells, the tastes, the textures more, I think a lot more people will be able to um, reach their goals a lot more easily. The, the impact of stress on digestion is such a big thing. And you touched on the fact that, okay, we may be eating this meal, but we may not be absorbing it. And it's like, it's not the fact that we're not absorbing the calories that is concerning. It's the fact that we're not absorbing the nutrients that come with it. And it's the nutrients that come with it that assist fat loss, that assist muscle gain. And mm -hmm. if your gut is in a poor state, you actually cannot perform well. You cannot build muscle effectively. Your body isn't getting the nutrients it needs from the food to actually assist muscle growth. And this is where people really just sideswipe stress management, all of these inner work things, because it, it seems stupid. It really does seem stupid to the naked eye. But when you really know what it is doing and how it is sabotaging your process, progress, you will actually pay a lot more attention to it and do the stress management that you should be doing. Yeah. And ugh, I cannot express it enough that stress management is the key to unleashing your best results because it's going to allow you to absorb the nutrients, to assist in the fat burning process, to assist in the muscle building process. And it's also going to assist your mood. Now, yeah. I really want to touch on this to end the conversation with such force because it is the most important part, but how exactly is stress holding a lot of people back? And what would you usually say about it? What are your tips around it to mitigating it? Like mints, for example. So, you know, it's like, I think from a, from an understanding of stress, people just don't understand what is stressing them out? You know, we often hear this term, oh, I'm so stressed out. And people refer to it as um, maybe somebody is, is stressing them out or work is stressing them out. And, you know, they don't realize that all of these things have the same physiological effect on us. You know, they don't realize that hard dieting, you know, just culling out one single food group, carbohydrates usually, doing a bunch of training, and, you know, partying on the other end or, you know, having uh, uh, deadlines at work and all of these things, they affect us in exactly the same way from a stress response. And when you start layering all these things on top of each other, the body only has so much it can handle before it has to, you know, start to slow down and break down and, you know, start to adjust to the stresses that you apply. Um, one thing that I do um, that is, is, is kind of instrumental in the beginning stage is just get to people understand what factors are, are of stress are being applied in their lifestyle and in their life, you know, and not just training. So we take the training and everything out of it, but we just look at all these other factors, you know, what time are they going to bed? Are they getting restful sleep? Is, is they, are they, uh, or have they been trying to diet within the last three to six months? You know, have they been trying anything extreme? Um, you know, were they cutting out food groups? Are they doing these fastings out of nowhere? You know, they just start to implement all these 
dietary tools without any understanding, you know, are they start, have they started a new exercise regime? Are they doing more high intensity interval training? Are they, have they just started CrossFit? Have they started, um, you know, resistance training or an endurance program or all these sorts of things? Are they working online um, or are they, physically active during the day, all of these things that are, uh, have we just gone down, uh, you know, my, some of my clients in the UK and one in, one in Canada have just spent the last uh, 19 months in quarantine. There was pretty, it was almost, uh, almost, a, a, yeah, year and a half, pretty much. They weren't allowed, they were, they didn't go, they weren't allowed to go to work. They had restrictions on the whole thing. So it was some form of like quarantine or lockdown for, for almost a year and a half. Um, so that there, you know, with a, uh, um, so one of my, one of my clients, he had, uh, he had just left his job, retired. Um, he was a military guy, so he retired early, uh, but they had just had a new baby. His wife is self-employed hairdresser with her own studio, but she couldn't go to work during the lockdown and the restriction. So he's just finished. Uh, he couldn't go to the gym or anything. So he just finished work. Gyms were closed and he couldn't go to the gym. So we had to adjust his training. Uh, newborn baby as well. His wife couldn't go back to work. They just, uh, and everything was all up in the air with whether he was going to be able to go uh, into his his new training for his new career after he's finished the army. And so all of those things compounded and it's, you know, that's more stress than a 60 minute training, <laughs> training session, you know? So we have to, uh, we had to look at all of these factors that were um, applying all these stresses. And simply we just took, we took more uh, low level approaches. So we did a lot more breathing work, mechanic, you know, breathing mechanics, and we did some meditation work. And this is specific to him, you know, it doesn't not always the same for everybody else. Um, but again, going back to the, the, the way that he ate. So he was, we were making sure that he was eating um, slowly, chewing his food and setting some time out, making sure that he was, not rushing the food and not feeling like it was um, uh, uh, rushed, but he had time to eat and slow down uh, throughout the meals. And then, you know, we, we managed to create a, a low level activity factor within, the, within his home, uh, you know, with the newborn baby, you know, taking him around the house and up the stairs and walking. And he still managed to get 10,000 steps in walking around the house, but you know, carrying, uh, carrying his newborn, uh, newborn daughter, you know, uh, which was much better for him than trying to hit a training session with whatever minimal equipment that he had in there. Um, some of the other stuff that we do is some of the clients like to do yoga. Um, it's just, you know, that's their choice. Um, the other side of the, of the spectrum is, uh, getting steps in, just walking, listening to books, stuff that is not work-related um, or TV-based. You know, I like to get people to get outside of Netflix. I like to get people outside of work-related stuff. So completely off the spectrum of those two things. So if it's if it's an audio book or a podcast, it's got nothing to do with work and it's got nothing to do with, um, you know, uh, uh, TV shows or anything like that. It's, it's, 
something that they enjoy and they want to learn more about. So it's, it's like a hobby based podcast or a book or something like that. And I find that that works really well, just taking them out of the um, kind of their, their stress zone and putting them more into their comfort zone, you know, and getting them into a place where they just really enjoy being, you know, uh, and it, some, sometimes it's a little bit hard for them to get it going, but once they get going, it's like any other habit, they just have to start small and attach it to something that they already do and build on that consistently well over a short period of time. And then that short period becomes a long period. And before they know it, it's, it's, it's part of their lifestyle. I love that part of how you try to manage where they are right now to make it something that isn't going to take them. Like sometimes it isn't just about raising the ceiling. It's about raising the floor. And something Mm. you said in there is the hobby, doing something that makes them happy. So it's find what brings you joy, find what makes you happy. You can call it a hobby. You can call it whatever you want but find something that makes you happy and brings you joy and do more of it. And the more that you try to push the bubble, like you mentioned the word bubble and I love it because it's like when you're stressed out, you feel like you're entrapped in a bubble and you need Mm. to pop it because it's almost like you're just enclosed, you're stressed out within this bubble and you can't move or anything that you do, you're at risk of bursting your bubble because nothing can burst your bubble. Only you can, but it's like you're at risk of piercing the skin. So it's really important to, to, I guess, ease yourself out of the bubble and realize that if you are going to shove on more dieting, shove on more training, you are only going to make the situation worse for yourself. And you're going to take yourself further away from your goals because no matter how much activity you do, no matter how much you cut your food down, you are not going to see results with that because your body is in a stress state. It is not going to respond. Yeah. Like it's, I think it's important to, uh, to, to note on that is like, it's, it's about being proactive versus reactive. So if you are proactive in the approach of stress management, um, like we, we, you start off by figuring out what can, what is impacting my stress? What is making me stress? And then we are proactively looking at um, protocols to manage that or ways in which we can manage instead of being reactive and things being thrown at you. And then you are just responding to it in a, in a uh, non-impactful way. You know, it's like, um, you know, I can be, I can be very, I, I can be very uh, um, Uh, procrastinating like I like to leave things to the last minute for some reason Um, but then it adds a bunch of stress onto me and I don't know why I do it but it just it's just something I do sometimes not all the time and it's not great for everybody I don't recommend it but um, you know if we are if we are waiting if we know that something is supposed to be done and we wait and we wait and we wait and then we get all this stress because we haven't done it and it's all of a sudden coming up then we will be reactive to everything else that is coming towards us. You know, let's say for instance, we've got something coming up at the end of the month and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. And lo and behold, that's when we get the part, your partner gets some bad news or the baby gets sick or 
the gyms get locked down again and you can't train or, you know, all of these different things, you know, your, your favorite cereal isn't on the shops anymore or something's gone crazy, you know, your show gets canceled, <laughs> you know, all of these things are, now you're reactive to everything. But if we start looking at how can we be proactive in our management of uh, time, lifestyle, stress, all of these things, um, it's going to make whatever goal, whatever lifestyle, whatever habit, whatever we want to build on, much, much easier to handle. I love that. Proactivity. I think that's a really good thing for this because if you're proactive in meal prep, for example, you have a higher yeah. chance of success. If you're proactive yeah. in knowing what's coming ahead in terms of, okay, I have this deadline, this deadline, and actually planning it out. Like you yeah. don't just plan your meals. You have to plan your life. I think that is yeah. the theme of it all. And I'm sure you see people who have plans in their life. They are more, they have a bigger chance of success and yeah. don't go to an extreme of, I have this plan. I'm just stuck in it now. We need to stop thinking in terms of extremes. Like, no, the plan can be malleable. The plan can be changed as situations arise. But if you have no plan to go off to start with, you're left overwhelmed in your head. And leaving things in your head is going to, like, it's going to leave you more scattered because you're not seeing it visually. And the power of pen to paper still is the most like the most powerful thing you can do to organizing your thoughts, organizing your head, because we can't make sense of things that are still in our head. Yeah. yeah. I think it's for, you know, planning the life is just something that is, um, it's not implemented enough for people. Like we have, when, when people have, have jobs, you know, when they, when they go to work, they're told that they need to be at work Monday to Friday between nine and five. But if they were told, oh, you need to be at work Monday to Friday, but come whenever you want, it would be a, everybody would be lost because they, we, we actually like structure. We need structure. So why not be proactive and start implementing it with the meal planning, with the training, or ha and that not only be proactive, you can build some structure, but you can also build flexibility into that structure. So it's not just a case of like, oh, I am going to train at nine to 10. It's like, I'm going to get one hour of activity in today. You know, when can I fit that in? Oh, Wednesday, I can do it at four. Tuesday, I can do it at eight. Thursday, I can do it at seven. And, you know, now we're building this structure around our lifestyle and making it easier for us, you know, that we can, so we can, we can do that and build upon creating a better sustainable change throughout. I love that ending. I don't actually want to add anything more to that. That's actually perfect. It's about sustainability, proactivity, and having a structure, but having flexible structure, flexible restraint. It's about flexible restraint, flexible discipline, flexible dieting, flexible structure. Again, because that's what it's all about. So, yeah, I'm going to ask you now because we all love our carbs. What is your favorite carb source? Oh, I gotta be honest. I think I'm gonna have to say Cocoa Pops. Cocoa Pops, it is. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, because when you, when you, when you, if we're going from like a, a, a macronutrient standpoint, 
you get a lot you can get a lot of cocoa pops for uh, for the for the carb content yeah it is it's a volume very very it's it's yeah. the same with anything yeah. poppy like you can easily say rice bubbles and it's the same thing but it's yeah. not cocoa pops it's just not cocoa yeah. and that's the reason why i always pick wheat bakes because it does the same thing and exactly. it burns yeah what is yeah. your favorite go-to breakfast hmm um it's this it's the one i have every single day regardless and i change it up the only thing i change on it is the volume or whether or not it's egg whites or egg yolks so i always have um, eggs and then i have oatmeal with either uh, blueberries or banana and then i have a zero calorie sweetener that i put on top of that so as you can hear from that, he mentioned eggs, he mentioned oats. The reason I really wanted to talk, touch on breakfast is eggs and oats. What can you make with eggs and oats? Oh, I don't know, pancakes. Pancakes. You can, it's having the same foods different ways. It's the same, same, but different. And Boltz loves his pancakes. You can make pancakes oh, yeah. every day, change the fruit to use on it every single day. It's a different, it's a different flavor. You can have eggs, plus oats you can have them mashed together so there's another one over there now if you could only have one one meal only one meal for a whole week no other meal what would it be and why hmm wow you put me on the spot with this one i like uh hmm one meal every day for a week all of your meals and i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to choose uh i'm gonna have to choose the uh, vanilla blueberry vanilla and blueberry pancakes from macro kitchen that's it's gonna have to be yeah I'm trying what? to think of anything else but they they the pancakes fit before breakfast lunch and dinner and it's that. one of my one of my favorites i love that hey see carbs aren't all that bad what exactly <laughs> is the macro content and components within your favorite pancakes Ah, okay. Um, give me a second because I don't know it off by heart, but it is on our it is on our Instagram. Uh, it is thirty grams of thirty three grams of protein, forty two grams of carbohydrates, and seven grams of fats uh, that sounds like the perfect match in heaven low fat high carb means you can pretty much because one thing that people forget to take note of is every gram of fat is nine calories every gram of carbs is four calories so yeah. why have more carbs in your pancakes and fats and you can have more of them i would actually ha i actually have to say i love my tuna bake with cheese with either you can swap potato or rice, tuna, mm -hmm. and you can swap the veggies, green beans, carrot, broccoli, cauliflower. Like that's the magic yeah. of the same, same, but different. So, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think with the, pan yeah, pancakes can be the same. I can chuck in some, uh, some chicken and some uh, maple syrup. They know. do have chicken and waffles in Texas. Chicken and waffles. Yep. yep. I've, I've never tried chicken and waffles. So I don't really know how it goes. It actually sounds pretty good because I love my chicken. 
really good. Chicken and waffles with some maple syrup. Mm. You got to make sure the chicken is spicy as well, though. Maple spicy syrup or honey? Syrup. Maple syrup. Me too. Maple. Oh, honey. I love maple syrup. Perfect. Well, I will leave that, leave this podcast here. We touched on so much, including our favorite carbs. Where would people find your kitchen and your Instagram itself? So for Macro Kitchen, it's uh, Macro Kitchen underscore Bali. Uh, we're only, we're solely on Instagram at the minute. So if you uh, just look for Macro Kitchen, one word, underscore Bali, you'll see us there. For me, uh, my, I'm mostly on Instagram as well, which is uh, bolts underscore IHP, um, which stands for Integrative Health and Performance, if anybody's interested. Um, but my name on Instagram will actually come up as New Body Athletics. I know it's very confusing. Sorry. <laughs> Not really, because we all want new body and integrative health is what we literally just spoke about. So that's perfect. And if you liked the podcast, give it a rating and review and share it to your Instagram stories. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys.